Amen. Um, please turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Colossians. I mean, yeah, Colossians <laughs> chapter 2, verses 16 through judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. Going on in detail above vision, about vision, pumped up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head. From whom the whole body, nourished and knit together, I mean, knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the element spirits of the world, why, as you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that all, pray, all perish as they are used, according to the human perspectives, I mean, precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom and perform, I mean, promoting self-made religion and assertism and the severity of the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Thank you for the reading of the word. Guys, will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, we, we thank you. We can come to you and talk to you, Jesus. What a joy. And Lord, we're just asking you right now that your spirit will guide us. Uh, to bring glory to your name. You would fill us and allow us to enjoy your truth. Uh, Lord, do a uh, redemptive change and continues to fulfill your promise that you say, he who begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Lord, we pray for that, uh, that you will be doing a work in us right now. We love you and we, we're excited uh, just to continue to be in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated, family. At MacAv, we are going through books of the Bible. That's what we do. And we are in Colossians right now, as you are well aware, if you're a visitor. We are in Colossians chapter 2. If you need a Bible, you can go ahead and raise your hand. We'll hook you up. Um, hopefully we're being encouraged. Sorry. Let me help you out. If you could, somebody could open up the, the Pew Bible. I have, a, I have a different Bible so we can know exactly what page it's on for people who aren't as familiar as we're not as familiar with the text. That'd be very healthy to do even weekly. Thank you. That's right. Help you, help your sister out. So, one second. 984? Okay. Is that the ESV Bible? So, in the ESV Bible, it's 984. Thank you, guys. 984. Okay, guys, so we're in uh, Colossians chapter uh, 2. We are just flowing through uh, the book of Colossians. Uh, Our heart at MacAb is we're trying as much as we can by the power of the Holy Spirit to provide individuals with the whole counsel of God. And the way we see doing that is to make sure that we just just flow through books of the Bible, that we teach uh, books of the Bible. And one of the cool reasons we do that is because if we didn't, probably in our flesh, we would probably skip over things that were kind of controversial or hard. But what this does, this makes us have to flow right through the text. And when we hit something crazy, we just deal with it as a body. And right, we fight and argue, pull each other hair out. And we keep coming back and we, we enjoy Jesus. So that's, um, that's what our heart is, is that we will get the full understanding of what God is saying. And uh, right now we're in Colossians chapter 2. Uh, the book of Colossians, um, just to recap real quick, we are watching uh, Paul be very, very excited about uh, sharing his heart um, to this local community of faith. Uh, he, he talks about from the perspective of what does it look like for them to be a community? What does it like for them to be united? Uh, what does it look like for them to uh, ward off false doctrine? And now we get into this stage right here in chapter 2, verses specifically 16 through 23, where he deals with a a very specific subject matter uh, that we will hope we will be addressing right now. And that's the issue of legalism. 
uh, the issue of Christian liberty uh, and legalism. All right, guys? Now, my goal for us uh, during this time, again, so Paul, he's in prison somewhere. He knows that the Colossian church is kind of blowing up. People are falling in love with Jesus, coming to Christ. Uh, his boy Patrick has seen, has seen this, and he, um, he's excited about that. He's trying to counsel these guys on what does it mean to walk with Jesus uh, in different ways, and what does it mean to protect themselves against uh, crazy teachings. And then, in particular, I bring that up because we have this issue of Christian liberty and freedom being smack dab uh, in chapter 2. And so that has to help us all understand that this is very important to Paul. So it must be important, obviously, to Jesus, which means it should be very important to us. And my goal for us uh, during this time is to have you get you to the point where you hate legalism. Uh, that's, that's my heart. I, I hope you leave like hating legalism uh, because Jesus hates legalism. Because what legalism does, it literally directs you away from the gospel. So we're going to start here uh, in verse verse 16. And before we start, actually, what I want to do uh, to get us on the same page, we're using the word legalism. Let's go ahead and define what I mean by the word legalism. First and foremost, the word legalism is not a word you're going to find in Scripture. Okay, Uh, the word legalism basically is a term sort of like uh, the word Trinity. Uh, It's a term uh, that individuals have 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 formulated in order to describe a theological premise in Scripture. So the premise theologically is chalk fall in the Scriptures, but the word isn't there. But we're going to take and so we're going to look at what Paul is doing and hopefully it'll make sense in a moment. But we're going to discuss what is legalism and why should you hate it? Um, as a believer, and even if you're not a believer here today, hopefully you'll see that this is at some level is where we all are, uh, and then Christ has to do something in us, because being moral or immoral, I'm proposing uh, you still are disdaining God. So I'm going to prove that in a moment. Okay, personal legalism. Personal legalism is when we adhere to God's rule, notice, in our own power, because we want God's favor. Okay, so there's two key pieces here. Okay, it's doing something for God in your own power, but also doing something for God in order to and, and to have the audacity to think you're going to gain God's favor uh, by what you and I do. Also, when we adhere to God's rule in our own power, because we want favor from others. So you and I are performing acts or placing people in acts of legalism when we are either saying, I want to do these things for God because I know he'll like me more. Or I want to do these things for God because I know people will see me in a certain light. And so I'm doing these things now so that you'll like me. And Jesus talks about that to the Pharisees many times in scriptures. Right. When he says you're you're praying, you're doing these things publicly so people can see you. It's not about me. It's not birthed out of humility. It's birthed out of self-sufficiency and out of self-worship. And I hate it, is Jesus' response. Now, communal legalism. So that's personal. That's, just, that's, what, you're, that's what we're doing to, you know, in your own journey. Communalism is, communal legalism is when we add rules not found in the Bible for ourselves and others to follow. Now, that obviously deeply affects community. That's why I termed it as communal legalism. It's when you start saying, huh, I really want us to be more holy. And then you start adding stuff to the scriptures, to what God is going. I didn't necessarily say that in scripture. So you add rules. We add rules, right? This is where we can find ourselves. Maybe someone doing this to you or you doing this to others. Uh, Rules not found in the Bible for ourselves and others to follow. Now, within, within each of these guys, within each you question, the, the, what makes it legalistic is that in this, you question their status. We question our status with God and with the covenant community. That's what makes it legalistic, is that by them doing or not doing something, you or I begin to question where they're at with Jesus 
and where they're at with the covenant community, with the people of God. Let me give you, let me give you an example. Um, so Halloween, right? Very debated topic in evangelical America. Okay. So someone comes to you and they can say, hey, uh, so you, are you doing anything for Halloween? You know, and you can say, I oh, know we're just going to hang out. You know, we're just going to play toys with my kids. That's what, what? You're going to, but everybody's, everybody's doing something for Halloween. You, I can't believe you're not going to do anything for Halloween, man. Like it's, it's so fun to see people get the candy and stuff. Why, why are you not doing anything for Halloween? What's your problem? Okay. Is that legalism? No. Why? Even if they were telling you you should do something for Halloween. It's not questioning their status. They're just being unloving and jerks. But it's not legalistic, right? Right? That's not cool. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not um, compassionate. It's not kind. It's unloving. It, right? It's those things. But it's not legalistic because they're not saying something about your status in the kingdom. They're just being jerky, right? They like Reese's Pieces. They like passing them out. They think you should too. Right. Now, what if someone says, man, so what are you doing for Halloween? Yeah. Well, we're going to you know, go and, and uh, we're going to put, you know, we're going to dress up. My, you know, Lauren's going to be a you know, honeybee, butterfly, whatever. And, you know, you know, Connor's going to be Spider-Man. They went, wow, man. And they looked at me and they didn't say much. They're like, man, you know, the Russes, they're, they're doing Halloween, man. Like, is that funny? Like, weird. Like, he's he, he a Christian, right? He's a pastor, isn't he? Like, what's... Why is he doing Halloween? What's, what's his deal with doing Halloween? He's supposed to be a Christian. You see the difference? We can debate it all day. Wisdom. But me and a lot of my kids to put on a costume should not affect my status in the covenant community. And you shouldn't allow it to affect someone's status in the covenant community. No matter how you grew up. God wants us to hate legalism because it shackles people. So that's what I mean when I say within each question, you're really questioning their status with Jesus or the people of God. When you detect that, when someone's doing that to you, when someone's trying to bully us in that way to take your freedom, you call it out. That's what Paul does. Right? Let's go to the text. He begins. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or new moon or Sabbath. So Paul clearly, I mean, now, if you are familiar with your Bibles, if you're new to reading your Bible, uh, there's a book in the Bible called First Corinthians where Paul addresses this whole issue of food. Uh, so we've seen that before. We've seen Paul say, hey, hey, guys, why are you guys getting all bent out of shape about food? OK, like, look, demons aren't look, like, you know, all that stuff like fake gods, Dagon. Oh, that's, that's not a real God anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Don't get all bent up. I'll eat your chicken. You know what I'm saying? Have your roast beef. It's all right. He's like, but don't do things unloving. So he addresses in the scriptures, in 1 Corinthians 8, this issue of food and that we need to be free. It's interesting. He doesn't talk drink, though. So this is kind of, you know, he's talking like food and drink. All right. See, see, Nate Egger wouldn't like to go to this church. That was a joke. <laughs> he's not a, like, I like sangria. So I wouldn't like, that was, okay, let me focus. <laughs> That didn't, everybody was like, why are you dogging Nate? No, Nate is like one of the golliest men here. Like, are you kidding me? I'm going to get fired next week, right? So, so they're saying here that like, like food and drink, like that shouldn't, be, that shouldn't be your focus here, right? He talks about here festivals and new moons or Sabbath. There shouldn't be special days. If a day is good for you, that's great. But as soon as you start to put that on other people, it shouldn't be the case because that's not why Christ died. For us to pay homage to days, but to pay homage to Christ. So God wants us to hate legalism. Let me continue on. He says, these are a shadow. Why? These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. He says, guys, I just want to encourage you. I get it at some level when you were, you know, we were thinking this back before Jesus. 
Okay, you're kind of like, I told you to observe this day and I wanted you to focus on these days because all those days, uh, you know, uh, Passover, uh, you know, these different kind of celebrations, guess what they were doing? They were all meant to point to, right? They were all a shadow, all these different, the, the, of the festival of, of booths, right? To sit in a tent for seven days, remind yourself of, of the exodus. All these things you were doing for thousands of years were all pointing to something. Guess what it was pointing to? Jesus. Jesus has come. Jesus has been murdered. Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus is exalted as king now. You don't still have to worship. You don't have to do those things anymore. Because the shadow's gone, we now have the person. The substance is here. Christ is here. You don't have to stare at the shadow. That's his point. That's his point to us. We don't have to find ourselves grabbing hold of rituals and things of that sort for the sake of favor because we have the Christ. We have Jesus. Now, the reason why legalism is so evil to God is because as we continue on the text, the works of legalism, they don't grow out of humility because the very actions of legalism for you to, 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 to say, I'm going to gain favor because of what I've done is arrogance and prideful in its inception. Legalism lacks a contrite reliance on the mercies and enabling of God. So these are all building on each other. So first, so, so legalism is so evil because you're prideful. It, it stems out of, a, a, out of an arrogance. And that arrogance is that, guess what? What I do and who I am isn't only because of Jesus alone, but it's actually because of, of what I'm doing. It's not flowing out of this mercy that I, you know, songs we're singing, that I'm absolutely in, I'm, I'm hell bound without Jesus. And that Jesus takes me, if he wouldn't have, I would have still been hell bound the way the song goes. That's what y'all just saw five minutes ago. Okay? And, and the point, the theological point there is that Jesus did everything. And so what legalism does, when we start to say, no, but look what I've done. Or we start to place these rules on people that try to rock their status with the covenant community and their father. God is saying, you've forgotten. You don't understand that, that God has enabled you to be holy. God has, his mercy has even awakened you to understand what that means. So it just totally spits in the face of God. See, legalism finds its peak in self-reliance. It's when you feel like at some level, and this is very hard for us guys, right? Because you can find yourself being schizophrenic with legalism. You can find yourself being super humble and all of a sudden find yourself in legalistic tendencies. And so don't, don't see yourself as like, well, I'm not really that bad. But really ask yourself, do you find yourself putting things on people that kind of the, the Lord hasn't said? I, I'll give you a story. Um, uh, an awesome sister of mine. Uh, she, I remember a long time ago. Uh, we had a we had a, well, a young brother in our body who was who was who was an alcoholic, and then he um, got free from alcohol. And I'll tell the story shortly. And he got free from alcohol, and so uh, he was enjoying the Lord. But all of a sudden, uh, he started uh, going back to bars uh, with a couple other people. And a concerned uh, person, concerned leader in our body, was like, "Look, can I talk to you for a minute?" Came over. And I think it was really good for, for us because came over and said, listen, he shouldn't be doing this. He's he's weak. Uh, this is not good. Uh, but like like he like tell call him and tell him to stop that he can't do this. And uh, and I said, well, I could tell they're like, it's wrong. I said, well, I could tell him, hey, I think it's unwise. But if you tell him he can't because he's a Christian now. We've just added to the gospel. Because the gospel, even though we think it's unwise, even though she was smart, she was wise about it. The thing is, he loves Jesus. He's free to go anywhere he wants. And for you to say, no, you can't because you are an alcoholic. You can't go in there. You just missed the gospel. The sad reality is he went and got really got drunk, um, had different kind of bouts actually left the body, um, and it's been a sad reality. You know what's interesting about that? What's scary is, like, a lot of times what can happen is that pragmatic experience, right, 
we chose to, to stand firm on Jesus, it didn't work out. The danger is we change our theology. Well, but see, that's why we should have told him no. He wouldn't have got drunk. He would be a Christian. He'll be better now. We don't change our doctrine based on our experience. The reality is he clearly got the gospel then. And I hope he would even see that. Even though he failed and has fallen. God hates legalism. No matter how hard it is when we see people going off the cliff, we know they're going to kill themselves and hurt themselves. We got to proclaim the true gospel. We told him it was unwise, but we told him you're free and we love you. Because we're saying, look, man, we, we trust God for your sanctification. Let me continue on. He goes on. Let no one disqualify you in insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. So he starts with this whole piece of, so at first we see within the church, this first century church, there was some stuff going on here where they were kind of saying, hey, you're going to be really deep when you start, you know, not eating on this day. Maybe it was some fasting. Maybe it was like, don't eat these certain things. Who knows what it was? But there was something in their journey that was saying, man, you're going to be kind of really serious about Christ when you do this. And you're kind of not if you're not doing this. And Paul says, no. The gospel is about Jesus and about Jesus freeing us from rules and empowering us to live a life of holiness. Let no one disqualify you, he says. Strong word. He used the word disqualify you in the realm of legalism. Isn't that interesting? Why do you think he does that? I'm proposing because Jesus hates legalism. And so feeling Paul to spirit, he wants us to understand this is how serious this is. You start getting caught up in this. You start feeling like you can worship this thing and do this and all this is going to help you in your spiritual life. In essence, those things become your idol and you get disqualified. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sinuous mind what he does here. You got people who are saying, hey, asceticism. Let's, let's look at some of these terms real quick. So what that means, big word, it's a doctrine that through renunciation of worldly pleasures, okay, it is possible to achieve a high spiritual intellectual state. So the sense is, man, you, 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 and we can find ourselves doing this. Well, if I will just fast this long, if I beat my body this way and I do these things, then I'll become this spiritual person. That's asceticism. That means you're not relying on the power of God and experiencing disciplines. Disciplines are good. Notice all the things that we're talking about are good with the right motivation, the right understanding of where the source comes from. Fasting is biblical. It's, it's, it's Jesus. He's, he's assuming we're fasting. But for you and I to, to starve ourselves or to say, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to ever watch TV. I'm, gonna just, I'm, gonna have, I'm never going to have money because when I do that now, I'm going to be serious about Jesus. You've missed the gospel. And, it's, now that's, and that's just personal legalism. Now what we usually do when we do all those things, guess what we do? Hey, you need to do it. Hey, you need to starve like me. Why you ain't starving? Why you got money? I ain't got money. You shouldn't have money. And then we start, see? See what happens? And we move from personal legalism to communal legalism. And then we're mad that everyone's not doing what we're doing. Trying to be self-reliant like us. I'm praying, buddy. Good question. We, we're, we're actually... Um, I'm, talking, I'm going to talk about that toward the end. Of what does it look like? Because the heart, because the, the, here is the trick now. So I'm staying here because our, Jesus hates legalism. I want us to hate legalism. I feel like we do such a good job at calling each other out. I want us, I want to, I want to stay on this end a little longer. So I'm cool. We, we're going to get there. But I want to stay on the end of like, hey guys, understand how God views us putting shackles on people. 
So I'm, I'm going to answer that question toward the end. But that's a good question. Frank's question is, so where does accountability fit in here as we hold each other accountable to pursue holiness? Very appropriate question. You know, you guys know I'm not a wimp about holiness and evil. Y'all get scared. Every week you come here, you're nervous. All right. So, so you know that's not the case, but I'm trying to help us understand by God's grace that Christ sees legalism as extremely evil. So asceticism here, he's saying, you guys trying to get deeper, thinking that's going to make you something. You've missed it. Then he continues on. Now, sinuous, I just wanted to, a couple of words I wanted to define, is relating to or affecting the senses rather than the intellect. And so I, I tell you something, this is not, here, hear this. So our, our doctors reformed here, okay? But I don't, I'm not like a running around reformer. I mean, I don't even know all the doctrines. I mean, I'm so goofy. And, and I, I say that to say people can see our church. Like, for example, we disagree with reform doctrine in itself where we're not sensationalists. We believe um, in the gifts. We believe that the gifts are present today. But we try to be responsible charismatics, okay? We're not, not going to run around and do things that are going to give us more glory than Jesus, okay? And so we're trying to figure out what that balance looks like, okay? Um, I say it to say I, I'm very I'm very intense and I and I will and I test the spirits with great tenacity uh, in this realm of of, of 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 spirituality and visions and people said this and God told me this and all that and I and I, I'll check you because I want to make sure that we're talking in a way that honors the Lord and it seems that I'm in good company here because Paul's going off on these cats. Hey, can you imagine? So all these people thinking they're all spiritual. He's like, yeah, all y'all think y'all are spiritual. Your sinuous minds. I mean, he just look what he says up here. You all puffed up about your vision. So, you know, people probably in there talking about, so I had a dream last night and Jesus said to me, and, blah, blah, blah. and he's just telling them, you all puffed up about your visions. Basically, your visions point to you more than Jesus. And I just want you to see something here. Understand, Paul totally celebrates uh, gifts. I mean, he wrote a book about it in 1 Corinthians. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He wrote, he wrote about gifts and how to use gifts. But what's interesting here is he's very serious about saying people who are all detailed about their visions, you can have these details, you can do all these things. But if it's all about puffing you up and I leave, I leave from these visions and the stuff that you heard and saw from God, I leave thinking more about you than about Jesus or I leave feeling more worse that I don't get those visions too. There's a fundamental problem. There's a fundamental problem if I'm leaving going, well, why can't I have all these things as if those things are the things we're supposed to be obtaining? God wants you to obtain Christ. So there's a way, there's a way to articulate all those things and they point to Jesus. There's a way. And so he's saying, but when you get this kind of stuff, you need to say, hold up. Guys, I want to encourage you by by God's grace as your leader, don't be bullied by people who project all these things on us and say, well, if you, if you, if you talk about it, if you say something back to me, if you, if you push back, then you're not spiritual. Don't be bullied. Paul clearly says, wait a minute. Let's talk about the fruit here. You said your name three times and Jesus once. What's the problem? So he's saying, let no one disqualify you insisting on this stuff, telling you to go and run down these rabbit trails and do all this stuff. Christ is the focus. So this is what was going on here. He was telling, they were telling people, hey, look, two things. First, you need to worship these angels. You need to be all about this whole spiritual realm piece. Your spiritual realm piece needs to be way more important than, than the focus of Christ and character and this whole issue of asceticism. You need to starve. You need to, you need to beat your body. You need to be doing stuff to yourself. And the worse you feel, the better, the higher spiritual you are. And in our body, because you guys are, God has blessed me with an unbelievable group of people I get to serve with. And we are out here hustling for Jesus and serving the Lord. We got to be careful that we don't find ourselves beating ourselves up and thinking, man, the more I beat myself up, the holier I am. Because of the nature of our ministry. But then you got to go on the other side and find yourself not even to protect yourself from that reality sitting on the sideline. So it's always a balance. In this body, because you guys are hustling for Christ. So the question is, well, I already answered it. Is morality evil or as evil as immorality? And I want to propose to you, yes. Here's what I want to propose to you is the difference. 
Morality is people not with to have the spirit of God, trying to be good in their own strength. And then what, what morality is are people who have the spirit of God and aren't trying to be good in their own strength, but they yield to Christ and they experience Christ's mercy and they understand God's power. And now they're experiencing morality. I'm actually going to propose to you that that's not morality, that's holiness. And that there's a difference biblically between morality and holiness. And the issue is Christ. And that's why when you even see things in Isaiah, your works are like filthy rags. And, and we talk about this sense of like, and people in our minds are thinking, well, but I know a lot of really good people who aren't Christians and they do way more better things than this guy who loves Jesus. Well, the difference is the reason why his morality is so evil, because every time he does his stuff, he thinks he's done something good. And we walk around like, look at me, look what I've done, look how cool I am. And we even say, well, look, he's much, he's much better than this person. We still don't get it. That's not the issue. The issue is our nature is evil and we need a savior. That's the issue. So is that morality just spits in the face of God, just like immorality. Why? They both reject Jesus as the means to righteousness. They both do. The immoral person says, bump righteousness. I'm just going to wild out. The moral person says, I don't need you either, Jesus. Just like the immoral person don't need you, I don't need you, though, because I can actually be righteous. Both spit in the face of God. Only in Christ, only in Jesus is the center of all that we do. Makes sense? Only in the center of Christ is what we do honorable to God. Pleasing to God, feud from God. Guess what else? They both boast an independence and self-sufficiency. See, an immoral person it says, I don't need to listen to you, God. I'm going to do what I want to do. Do my thing, get mine, and my own strength. The moral person does the exact same thing. I'm not going to listen to you, God. I'm not going to hear when you tell me I need Christ. I'm going to actually try to achieve this thing myself. And I'm going to be my own ruling way toward what is righteous and what is not righteous. That's what's interesting about moral people is that actually they change the rules. As we say, oh, no, 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 no. That's why, right? Because the good things we do, we focus on those. The bad things we do, we kind of like, you know, right? And so both are important to God. God hates legalism. Legalism is the focus of morality. And God says, are you kidding me? Isn't it interesting? I would even propose to you, I would take a risk and say, isn't that interesting? Like, so at least an immoral person is saying, I'm done with you, God. He's not trying to act like he can reflect God's image. They're not trying to act like they can be like God. The interesting thing is the moral person actually is trying to act like they can be like God. God says, the only reason, the only way I want you to be like me is when I empower it. This is, this is hard for some of us, but that's how serious sin is. They both boast of independence and self-sufficiency. Now, legalism's birthplace, I propose, this is for, for both. Legalism's birthplace, which I think is even the biggest, is in unbelief. Unbelief that God can sanctify you and other people, can sanctify the community. That, that when we as a believer begin to enter into legalism, what we're really saying is, man, you know what? I, thanks, Jesus, for the cross and everything, but I, I got it now. And I don't, I don't know if I can really trust you uh, for being more like Jesus. So I'll kind of, I'll, I'll set my own rules and do my own thing. And, and I'll do that for other people, too. I'll start to say, no, here's what you need to do. If you really are serious about God, you need to hear God say this. And you need to, you need to be about this. You need to be doing these things. If you're not, you know, by God's grace, you might be still a Christian, but you're not really there yet. Do you see that? God hates that. So I remember, um, I just remember, I had this uh, clearly uh, displayed to me uh, when I was in college. Um, uh, Roger Hershey, the most influential man, influential man of my life, came to me, started discipling me. And I remember sophomore year, junior year, senior year, he'd be like, hey, man, <clears throat> how's things going? You know, um, how's things going with masturbation? And I'm like, uh... Great. You know, look at him dead in the eye, just lying to him. 
Great, man. It's awesome, you know. And, um, and for, for a couple years, I just lied to him. And he would just look at me. And uh, time went on, time went on. And it was almost like um, the Lord, I got into, um, got into Michigan State University. Uh, God started giving me a lot of victory. And it was almost like the Lord reminded me when I started, like, like repenting and I came clean to my Bible study um, right in, in Miami of Ohio before I went and God started doing the work in my life. It was almost like the Lord reminded me, like, hey, remember all those times you used a lot of Roger? And then he started reminding me of the facial expressions. And you ever had that? Like, you start replaying those moments? And it was like, it was like almost the Lord was like, I just want to show you. He knew you was lying. And in my mind, I'm like, well, and why he didn't say anything? And, and there's other different methods. You know me, I probably would say, you're lying. But no, I'm just kidding. But, um, but it was almost like the Lord was saying, I'm trying to teach you something here. I'm trying to show you a man who believed in the power of the Spirit. And he looked me in the eyes and knew I was lying and said, you know what? I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for God to do something in you that you can't do in yourself. And I, um, I remember uh, coming to him, and this is now, you know, year, like just like a couple years ago, and now we've been further. And I asked him, I said, man, do you know I was lying? He was like, man, I have my suspicions. He said, I've been praying for you, man. I'm just praying for God. And I remember during those times after I was sharing, when we had the ending time, and his prayers would be so centered on sanctification. It was almost, you know how you pray and you try and give a sermon in your prayer? It would it it be those prayers, you know? Like, Lord, bless him. Allow him not to be unrighteous. Wink, wink. Not to, you know. You know how those prayers are. He would do that to me. See, for some, the God, God gave him the grace to say, you know what? I can't sanctify this brother. God has to do it. See, legalism in itself says, no, I can do it. If I'm just nice enough, if I just feed them enough, if I just provide this, if I just do that, if I just started doing all these things, we start thinking that we can gain favor of God and he'll bless something. So the whole sense of you can think you can be holy by yourself, I think it stems in unbelief, guys. This is, a, this is what he's dealing with here, the people of God. Let's continue on. So morality that is birthed through a humble acknowledgement and empowering from God is holiness. We already talked about that. Um, because I'm not, I want to make really clear here, morality is not a bad thing. <laughs> We're very serious about righteousness. We're very serious about us being like God, that we bear his image and we reflect God's image. But what I will propose to you is that the scriptures are very clear, is that when we think we can do all this on our own strength, he does not desire that. God's assumption is that we are yielding to him and that he is doing the work within us. That's Ephesians 2.10. That's, that's what he's talking about. I even quoted, he who began a good work in you, will he will perfect. He does that work. He presents us to the Father as a spotless bride with no blemish. He does that. He didn't say, go get cleaned up, then I'll bring you to the Father. So he's like, guys, don't fall for that. Verse 19. And look what he says here. Don't get caught up in asceticism thinking you can starve yourself. Don't get caught up in all these visions and chasing all this stuff. He says, why are you doing all that with a sinuous mind? And notice the sinuous piece. It's like the focus is more on experience than intellectual. You notice that? That's the whole concept of being sinuous, right? Is that you get caught up in the emotion, the experience, which is very interesting, right? Because I'm proposing that's the Christian life, right? Is that, is that emotions are important, our experience is important, but they don't trump facts. Is that we come to Christ not because of how he makes us feel, but because of what he did. Does he make you feel good sometimes? Yeah. Do we have religious affections? Of course, I love my Savior. But even if I had horrible days, I serve Jesus because that man rose from the dead. The fact of the Savior, of the, the murdering and the resurrection is what allows me to be un, in, immovable in my faith and say, I'm going to worship God no matter if he kills my son or whatever happens because he's good because he's showing me at Calvary. And our facts, the facts of Calvary, the facts of the resurrection is what beelines us to live a life of passion. It's what beelines us to free people to enjoy Christ, to free them. So he says, man, you're holding to that stuff. Look at verse 19. And not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourishing it together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from 
God. You see that? He's, he's focused. Where's that growth come from? It ain't what you did. It's when you focus when you're when you're focused on Jesus and your heart is in Christ and you're growing in Jesus. Does He do a birthing and a, a thing in your heart? Where now the things you're doing are flowing from a flow of God, of Christ. Hey, hey, you remember that, remember that verse there? You, did, hey, now as you know, my be serious about Bible study here. Uh, we've seen that before. Remember we talked about knits and joints and ligaments and that whole deal. See, he's he's he's, re- he's reconnecting that. What we're saying there, we're saying being that covenant community, being that body of love. With the head being Christ. He says, this is where we need to be. Continues on, family. He says, if with Christ you die to the elemental spirits of the world, right? This other stuff. Remember we talked about the elemental spirits? Like this stuff that's not even existence? Like this stuff not even, why are you worried about these things when Christ is over all that stuff? He's saying, why are you still... You know, why you, if you die to this, we say you die to that now. Why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Why are you still submitting to worldly rules when you're now supernatural? When you've been born again. Like, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. And, when, and these things are all referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. Look at this point there. His point is that why are imperishable people focusing in on perishable things? He's like, you're born again. You're imperishable. And you run around talking about, talking about ham sandwiches and Kool-Aid. Really? He's like, what are you doing? You're supernatural. You're born again now. You should be worried about imperishable things. That's what you should be talking about. Kingdom, outreach, ministering to people, seeing people get saved. That's what you're about now. Why are you talking about weird things? You're not like the world anymore. The shadow's gone. Christ is here in this party. That's his point. He says, hey, these, look at this. So he says, guys, what are you doing? Don't do that, guys. He says, Macav, keep your focus, okay? Don't get caught up in that silliness. And he says, those things that do not handle all those things that we can get caught up in, he says, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion, right? They come off okay. They come off kind of tight. And asceticism and severity to the body, right? Beating yourself up, walking around, look, woe is me. Oh, he's so holy, right? Doing all those things, people can, people can kind of get food for a little bit, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, you can get, it, it could be popular, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. What's his point there? Now, when I used to read this, I used to think he was saying that, you know what, you can try to like not sin and try to be holy, but eventually the, the flesh is going to take you over. I don't, I don't think that's what he's saying. I thought, he was like, you know, you can try this, but the indulgence of the flesh is actually going to take you over. I think that's his point. I think his point is actually that in your pursuit and in my pursuit of self-reliance and holiness and morality, that when we are pursuing those things, when we're trying to stop sinning and not focus on Christ, when, when the focus becomes legalism, he says you are actually right then in that presence practicing self-indulgence. Do you see that? He's saying the very practices, the very things you're, try, you're, you see, you're trying to get your way away from the flesh by being an ascetic. He's saying by even doing that, by in your asceticism, you're indulging the flesh. So the very thing you see yourself trying to get away from, you're right in the thick of it and dishonoring God, I dare say, even more. Do you see that? Let me say it again for you. He says here, but there are no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. He's saying that, that actually you promoting self-made religion and asceticism and, and the severity of your body, beating yourself up, all those things are the practice of the indulgence of the flesh. So you haven't gotten away from what you're running from. You actually jump right into it through doing things that are not filled and led by the Spirit of God. He hates legalism. He wants to free us. He wants our church to be free. He wants our body to walk around with great joy and freedom, knowing what Christ has done. Knowing we don't have accusers anymore. We don't have to have a spiritual totem pole in this body. We don't have to see who's more spiritual, who's less spiritual, who has this gift, who has that gift, who's doing this and who's doing that. And how much do we, we don't have to go there anymore because the hope is in Christ. What we should be talking about is Christ. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Christ is the focus, not our resume. Legalism will never make the body of Christ holy. 
But I'll never make the body of Christ holy. Lives of self-reliance and self-sufficiency is just another terrible form of indulgence. That's just what I've tried to go through there. It's just another form of indulgence, guys. And Paul says, I hate it. So now, what, what is our motivation behind legalism many times? It's usually, I propose, it's usually we either, usually a lot of times, we either want more dynamic spirituality, right? So we want more of Jesus, and we start going, well, if I don't get these things, then I'm not going to get more of Jesus. You see that? That's a favor issue. If I'm not getting this or doing this, I don't get Christ. Do you see the, you see the danger in that? See the unbiblical center there? We want to maintain our spirituality, right? So you start off well, we start off thriving at Mac Ave, and all of a sudden we're like, well, I need something else, like an energy drink. So we go, well, I need something. You know, just reading the Bible and praying, I ain't getting it. I need something more to get God's favor. He says, no. Or we want to recapture it, right? We're just dead in the dumps. And we feel like, well, if I do these things... And Christ just wants us all to come to grips with the fact that he begins it and he does it. He wants us to have that joy. Usually regulations and human actions are brought, into being, are brought uh, in to bring or, press or, or preserve what the power of Christ once created. So it seems to me, as I'm, as I'm thinking through this, usually when people bring in rules and regulations, usually around that is like people trying to keep what they think God has done or to try to, like, move it forward. You know, that's how it is. I mean, right, you start a church, you get all excited, right? You rely on the Lord, and all of a sudden, you're like, well, I want to get here. And so then you start thinking, versus just praying and just enjoying Christ and preaching the gospel, you start thinking, well, I got to do this, I got to do, do this, and I do these things, and God give me favor. And just that quick. And it's the scary thing is you would never even detect it. And I'll be leading you from a legalistic heart. God says, No. We see it. We see in like when people, more spirit. I mean, when I was in college, you ever heard of tearing for the Holy Spirit, waiting on the Spirit, doing things? That's how people speak in tongues. You got to tarry. And the more you say stuff, the things come. That, that's all like legalistic. If I don't get this, something wrong with me. Guys, I want you to reject that notion. I'm, I'm fighting against it right now. I'm telling you, it's not biblical. If you think you can motivate the power of God, you don't get the gospel. You cannot motivate a sovereign king. He is king in himself. He's good. And we just rely and trust. That's what we do. We enjoy our king. We don't pimp him. So here's some false centers. We're going to go home with this, guys. False centers. Um, what can happen, and I just want to make sure in our body we don't do this, okay? What can happen a lot of times is... Um, I don't know what happened with that one word in the middle there. Is accountability, okay, can, can, what can happen is we can have a heart of accountability. I think, uh, Frank, you said this, right? We can have a heart of accountability, all right? And then what happens is our, our culture has told us that don't be, don't be legalistic. In a Christian culture and even in the world, judgmentalism is that almost accountability is like, well, if you're, being, if you're holding someone accountable and you try to ask a question, then you start going, well, man, am I, am I being judgmental? Because a person might say you're being judgmental because you ask them a question. Um, or you just might even feel that fear of like being, feeling judgmental. And so, and then what happens is a person feels, it feels judged. Then they, if they're a Christian, they go, well, are you a legalist? Or they'll, they'll, they'll sort of coin you as a legalist because they feel judged because you're trying to hold them accountable. You see how that, you see that slippery slope there? And I always want to propose to you, don't believe the lie. Don't lose courage of accountability because you're scared that someone's going to pin you in these realms. We still have to hold each other accountable. God still desires holiness in a camp. So he wants us to ask the question. He's just saying when people answer it, many times we need to shut up and believe the best. So we can ask the question, but we need to give people freedom. That makes sense, guys? I think another center is what can happen in our own life is you and I can desire holiness. We can want God to be moving in our hearts. 
And but what happens in our culture again, I don't want us to believe the culture. The culture tells us if you are radically passionately pursuing Jesus and you're and in your own life, you want to read the Bible for two hours in the morning. You think, well, man, why am I so regimented? Maybe I'm a legalist. But you ain't told nobody that they need to do it. And you don't think that you're going to get more favor from God. You just want to experience all that you can for Jesus. So you just want to dive in, man. You just want to be in the presence of Christ. And what happens a lot of times is some of us are calling, I call us, I use the word scared leads. That's a word I, I made up. Like we're scared to be holy, you know. And it's like we, we're going, man, I, I know what God wants for me. And I, I want to experience the Lord. But, man, it's going to make, am I going to be weird? Are people going to think I'm this way? And so are people going to think I'm self-righteous? Because I want to pray every time someone says, hey, I, can you pray for me? And I, and I stop it. I say, let's pray right now. But, but, but if I do it again, and I did it this is the third time with these people around. They're going to think I'm trying to be self-righteous. So I guess I won't say prayer. Uh, I guess I'll just pray for them when we go home. I won't pray right now. I'm scared. I don't want the body to think that I'm trying to be too holy. Or, oh, man, we had, we had lunch or something and someone's saying something negative, And I, I want to say, hey, well, let's not talk about that. Let's exalt Christ. But if I say that, everybody's going to think I'm holier than thou. So I won't make up, bring up Jesus because I want Make sure people know that I'm down to earth too. Or oh, I'm at the basketball court and, and, you know, I want to encourage brothers and I want to really, you know, encourage people and I'm not just dog and cats and, and, and people are getting rough housing. I'm saying, hey man, let's not do that. Let's exalt the Lord. Well, well, but that's not what the fellas do. So I think I'll just kind of, I don't want to be made self-righteous. So I shrink back and I lose my witness. And I'm praying for our body that we wouldn't be scared to be holy. But, but, but fueled in Christ and experiencing the gospel, man, we would want all that Jesus has for us. And we would, we would be willing to be misunderstood. My point is that people are going to put you in these realms. People are going to mistaken. They're going to mistake your heart. They're going to judge you. And I've, this church has been judged many times on being legalistic because we're saying, hey, you're not going to come serve this community unless we say this is what we're about. If you would say we're legal, I'm saying, I ain't said nothing about you and your spirituality and your walk with Jesus. I ain't said nothing about you and Christ. I'm telling you, you're not going to pimp this church and play this community. That's what I'm telling you. That's not legalism. I think that's wisdom. And so we get played too. But be willing to be misunderstood. Because one day Christ, my hope is that Christ is going to say, Eric, I know how people lied on y'all. But I'm pleased. Thank you. I'm pleased, son. That's my hope. And I want your hope to be Christ. Don't worry about what people are saying. You be holy for Jesus. And you ask those hard questions. But ask the Lord to allow your heart to not be self-righteous. And make sure you're freeing people. Let's be a church that frees each other to worship Christ, guys. Okay? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you and we pray for that. We all right now, we confess our tendency to, to see our own spirituality and to not look at our, our dark spots and say, man, we need to make all these other key people a little more holy. Then we'll be all right. And Lord, we confess that madness and we submit to your rule and reign. And we pray that you would sanctify your church. And Lord Jesus, that you would sanctify us. And that you allow this to be a body that hates legalism and loves Christian freedom. Holy Ghost allows us to love Christ-centered freedom. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.